if you're anything like me, you didn't learn much about emotions as a kid or a teenager. You didn't learn how to communicate. I didn't even know what shame was until I was 26, 27, 28, maybe even a little later. I learned about fractions in school. I learned what the inside of a cat looked like in college, but I didn't learn the slightest idea how to have an intimate relationship and how to communicate feelings. So when I met my husband at the very premature age of 18, well, I was a little baby that didn't know herself, her feelings, how to communicate anything. I only know, knew how to internalize my feelings. Oh man, I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I remember in the first years of being in my relationship, anytime I would cry, I would leave the room and I would turn my back in bed. If I was crying in bed, I would turn my back so then he couldn't see that I was crying. You guys, I knew nothing. And it took me so long to learn. But being the Enneagram 8, which is the challenger, which we're known for being honest and saying our feelings. Just kidding. We're not known for saying our feelings. We're known for saying our opinion. And that's at an unhealthy level. So Enneagram 8, which is what I am, we have this tough exterior. And if we're at operating at unhealthy level, which, you know, I was all of my 20s, we not, you don't show vulnerability and you just pull yourself together and you be strong and you have to show everyone that you're the strong one. So for me, I didn't learn how to communicate or what feelings are at all as a kid, as a teenager. And then I'm also an Enneagram 8 where, you know, we're not vulnerable and we don't want to show our weakness with feelings we have this strong exterior so that you know I had kind of have two things working against me so it took me a while to understand that I didn't understand feelings and that my husband and I we created really unhealthy patterns of communication like I it it's really hard for me to apologize so for years I don't know that I ever apologized for anything because that's admitting I'm wrong and that's admitting that I'm, I have faults and that's just, that is something that's so hard for me. So for years, I wouldn't apologize. And then my husband, because he doesn't like conflict at all and he just wants to be done with conflict and move on, he would apologize things he's not even sorry for. He would apologize for things he didn't even feel like he did. So he would over-apologize and then I would never apologize And that's one really unhealthy pattern that we created in our 20s because we didn't know what we were doing. But I honestly believe me and my husband are so perfect for each other because we are opposites in every single way. So being opposites, it forces us to look at our shit because if if our partner was exactly like us, we would never have to look at how we speak or believe or how we're acting because no one's pushing back on you. We would have no reason to believe we're having an unhealthy communication pattern. So if your partner is opposite of you, this is perfectly designed to show you how you think and act and react and communicate. This is how we face ourselves and it's through our partner. 
So what changed for us was going to therapy. And we went way too late. We went when we were already broke. And I do not suggest that. I have friends who start going to therapy when they just start dating. And to me, that is the way it should go because they're being proactive. They're going to therapy so that they don't create toxic patterns. They don't want to bring their baggage from their last relationship into their new relationship. And they need a professional, a professional that deals with feelings and emotions and communications to be that that third outsider to see what's going on. That is being proactive. And I fully believe and encourage anyone to go to therapy before you're married. The most common situation that occurs though is that the man typically doesn't want to go to therapy because he's stuck in stigma. Stigma on, you know, you're wrong, you're broken, there's something wrong with you. And they have to face their fears. These are all fears. They have stigma on therapy and they have fears of being wrong. They don't want to be put in their place. Um, Their ego doesn't want to be subjected to criticism. It is all fear, which is why they don't want to go to therapy. And it is typically the man. They're afraid of what people will think of themselves, of their relationship. It's all fear. It's really, really sad. Usually people go to therapy too late. It's the last ditch effort after too much pain and resentment has built up. At that point, I don't know if therapy is going to work for you. It did for us. Therapy is the best money I've ever spent in my whole entire life. It's the best money I've spent. It is the most efficient of my time. It is a godsend. Of course, you have to find the right therapist. Just like you have to find the right doctor for you. You have to find the right therapist that jives with your personality and that you feel safe with. Thankfully, it was so easy for us to find one and we love her. She is our everything. So I do think the stigma is shifting with therapy, like slowly but surely. But for sure, I think a very common theme is that, you know, maybe a woman wants to go and the man doesn't want to because he's afraid and he has to face those feelings he has to see like is he afraid of being wrong is his ego afraid of being criticized you know it does he really think he's going to get an ego hit I personally think that's what it is and then the other big big layer is what will people think if people find out what will they think of our marriage of us I'm surrounded by people who are like you know, we went to therapy when, you know, we're a year in and we're so happy and proud of it. And I'm surrounded by people who love going to therapy and are so proud of going to therapy early because it's a proactive approach and that's the way it should be. It's like your car oiled getting changed. You have to be proactive. If you, if you don't, your engine's going to blow up. So our therapist, she works with a method called emotionally focused couples therapy. And it sounds like, yeah, of course, emotionally focused. But the whole point in her research is that everything goes back to connection. That's it. Emotional connection. What we are seeking from our partner is emotional connection. And when there is disconnection, we go into a primal panic. We get distressed. 
the main thing we are seeking from our partners is these questions of, can I count on you? Can I depend on you? Are you there for me? Will you respond to me when I call? Do I matter to you? Am I valued and accepted by you? Do you need me? Can I rely on you? Do you rely on me? These are all questions from Dr. Sue Johnson, who's the creator of Emotional Focused Couples Therapy. She is an author. She's a marriage therapist. She's not our marriage therapist. This is who our therapist has learned from. So a lot of what I'm going to be saying from here on out is from Dr. Sue Johnson's book, Hold Me Tight. This is the number one couples book I suggest. Hold Me Tight, Dr. Sue Johnson. It is gold. It is so gold. So everything I say is like paraphrase paraphrase from this book now. Like a lot of what I'm going to be saying is not me. It's not from me. I'm going to give you the gold from this book. So she says that marriage is typically, she has, guys, she has decades and decades of experience. She is the OG. Uh, If you want more information, go on Apple Podcasts and Google Dr. Sue Johnson. I've listened to all of her podcasts where she's a guest. I don't think she has a podcast, but when she's a guest, I've listened to all of it and it's gold. So she says that marriages fail. It's not because increased conflict, because of increased fighting. It's because of decreased affection and decreased emotional responsiveness. It is the growing absence of responsiveness, which is why marriages fail. That phrase, oh, we just grew apart. That is decreased emotional responsiveness. That could have been prevented. She talks about these demon dialogues. There are three main patterns that couples do in relationships. She calls them demon dialogues because they're dances among partners. And the whole point in therapy is to learn when you're doing the dance, when you're doing the demon dialogue, to become aware that you're doing the dance. Stop it. Because if the dance continues then the fighting continues, then the distance and discord between couples gets further, further, bigger, bigger. The first demon dialogue is called find the bad guy. It is a pattern of blaming that keeps couples miles and miles apart. It's a self-protection mechanism. It's an attack mechanism. It's accusation. It's blame. When we feel hurt or out of control, We will use anything to feel and get back into control, which for most people, it's attacking and anger. It's striking back at the partner. That is how we get back into control. It's not me, it's you. The key is to get present when you are doing this. Look at the blaming. Look at the loss of emotional safety it is creating in the moment. You are not safe with your partner anymore because they are attacking you and they are blaming you. Look at when this demon dialogue is happening that each person wants to be a winner. You want to win this fight. It's true. You just want to be the winner. So we need to learn awareness when 
find the bad guy dialogue starts happening. It's not me, it's you. When that dialogue starts happening, we have to start noticing when and why and what is happening. Notice how you react, how you feel when you're blamed or you're cornered. How do you respond? This is, this is what ultimately the goal is, is to notice when it's happening and to be able to call it out for what it is and narrate it. So what, what could truly happen if you're in the middle of blaming and you could say, whoa, we're starting to label each other and to prove the other one is bad. We're going to keep hurting each other if we get stuck in this dance. Can we please talk about what's happening without it being anyone's fault? This is how emotional connection gets stronger and repaired. Blaming, finding the bad guy, that loses emotional connection to your partner. You no longer feel safe. To feel safe, we have to become aware and say, look what, what, look what we're doing right now. We're blaming each other. We are hurting each other. Can we please talk about this without blaming each other? It's becoming aware, narrating exactly what is happening. Okay, that is one way that dances happen in a relationship, a negative dance. That we are trying to communicate and emotional connection gets lost. The second way is called the protest polka, and it is the most common. So what happens, and it's very common, it is kind of general gender-specific women, typically, reach out to their partner in a negative way, like a criticism or a nag. It's when one partner reaches out in a negative way to try to get a response from the other partner. They are reaching out for connection to the other partner because they don't feel connected. But they're doing it in a negative way, like a criticism or a nag or a put down. And then the other partner steps back and creates more distance. And then it becomes a standoff. This pattern actually is so much more subtle than find the bad guy pattern. This one is where two people are totally missing connection cues. So one person is pushing, pulling, complaining, criticizing, blowing up, provoking, poking, yelling, because they're pushing for a response. They are dying for an emotional response. The underpinning of this person is that they feel unimportant or not valued by their partner, or they feel separate from their partner. They feel alone. They feel abandoned in a time of need. They long for emotional connection. Or they might, experience, they might be experiencing their love of their partner more like a roommate. So they have this need for this emotional connection. And they do it through poking, pulling, complaining, criticizing. The partner that typically does this the most is the one that typically feels the most lonely in the relationship. They feel like they're kind of slowly dying in the relationship. They don't feel like they matter to their partner. They truly feel and believe that if they didn't push and poke and prod, they would never be close to their partner because the other partner, the other person on the side of this equation 
shuts down, gets paralyzed, pushes the feelings away, spaces out, numbs themselves, tries to fix things. They usually describe it as a lack of feeling, a numbness, hopelessness, or you know that they're bad. It's their fault. A lot of the things they say in therapy are like, I can never get things right with her, so I don't even try. Or I know I'm flawed or I'm a failure and that alone paralyzes me. Or I go into my shell where I feel safe. So then I shut the door on all of her angry comments. I Or I feel like nothing in this relationship. I feel inadequate. Or... I try to solve the problems in a concrete way and it doesn't work. She doesn't want that. So I give up. And what the other person sees from this partner that shuts down, goes into their shell, is a lack of emotional response. We see like, oh, I can't even get a response from you. So I, I don't think you care. It doesn't even seem like you care. Of course, gender plays a role. Like typically... Women are the emotional managers of a relationship. They pick up on the distance cues. They have this, this sense, this knowing, and I truly believe it's because we learn it in childhood and teenage, teenage years with our friends more than males. We pick up on distance and closeness of relationships quicker than males. And then we speak about it. And men typically have been taught to suppress their emotions. So they're not really clued in, tapped in like women are. This is where therapy teaches you and learns how to pick up on these cues. So this protest polka, which is one of the most common dances in relationships, to change it, you have to be able to see how the whole dance plays out between you and your partner. You have to recognize when you're poking, when you're pushing, when you're prodding to get a response, any response from your partner. You have to recognize if you freeze and if you shut down. When couples start noticing the pattern and call out the pattern, the dance while it's happening, hey, we're in the protest polka right now. Imagine, imagine if your partner can say to you, hey, we're starting to spiral right now. I... <laughs> I'm, I'm getting more distant from you and I'm getting more and more frozen the more upset, upset you're getting. Like I'm, I'm spiraling and I'm starting to just want to run away. Let's not do this. Let's stop. Imagine, imagine that awareness. This is what therapy teaches you. It teaches you awareness, how to spell things out, how to narrate exactly what's happening when it's happening. So then the spiral doesn't keep on going. If the spiral continues, the distance between you two emotionally gets wider and wider and wider. And people don't feel safe. People feel disconnected. And then that's when people act out even more. And then this eventually leads to freeze and flee. That is the third demon dialogue. It's the third pattern that couples do. And this is dead silence. The freeze and flee flee is dead silence. No one's dancing. There is no tango between the two because the tension is that thick. They're not even really communicating. And this happens after years and years of the protest polka. 
the aggressive partner that tried to poke and prod eventually becomes detached. And they don't try anymore. They don't prod anymore. And they eventually leave the relationship. The relationship actually looked a little peaceful just because there is nothing going on. There's no emotional connection of any kind. No positive connection, no negative connection, none. It's extreme distancing. And it's a response to the loss of connection and the sense of helplessness. Like they don't have hope at this point. So no one is reaching out to anyone. There are no bids for connection. The freeze and flee is the end of the relationship after years of the protest polka. The next thing I'm going to talk about is finding your raw spots. These are basically triggers that are very, very unique to you. Dr. Sue Johnson calls them a raw spot. And basically, it's a hypersensitivity based on your past. But also, a raw spot can be created. It can perk up like during a big life change. You know, say you lost your job and and your husband's not emotionally supporting you in any way through this big life change, that can become a raw spot. One way of knowing what a raw spot is and becoming aware is a sudden shift in your emotions. And then another way of being aware of your raw spot is that your, your perceived offense to whatever happened is way out of proportion. So if we don't find our raw spots... Usually it leads to defense mechanisms like anger or shutting down, numbing. So how we find raw spots is looking at attachment cues from your partner. So we all have attachment cues that our partner does, that our brain perceives. They're either positive or negative, And then they bring us good or bad feelings. So an attachment cue from your partner can be a look a tone, a phrase. It could be the slightest little thing. It could be a tone your partner uses that when it happens, your brain revs up and says, warning, warning, warning. Emotional bond is basically threatened. Your brain says, warning, something bad or painful is approaching. It's going to happen. Like that critical tone. Your brain says warning, warning, and then your body responds in a survival mechanism. Your survival mode is just revved up. So like your stomach drops or you get anxiety or there's a quickening in your stomach. First, your brain perceives the attachment cue and then your body responds. And then your brain engages and basically tells you if you're safe or not, if you're in danger or not. So then we get ready and get ready to take action and either fight or we run away or we approach and draw our sword or we shut down because we all have a different mechanism to deal with this type of warning signal from our body that our bond is no longer safe. This response system in your body happens within seconds. Your partner uses a certain tone your brain says, warning, warning, your bond, you know, pain is approaching, pain is approaching, your emotional bond is no longer safe, and then your stomach drops, you get anxiety, and then you react, you yell, you shut down, you know, you, this all happens within seconds 
I just explained it in a long, drawn-out way to explain it. But this is your raw spot happening within seconds. And your body and your brain responding to emotional safety or not. I'm going to explain a situation that just happened to me and my husband this week. Because it was this raw spot that was triggered by an attachment cue. And is perfect. This situation draws it out perfectly for you guys. So he comes home from work and the dishes aren't completely done because I was really busy that day. 90% of the time, I always do the dishes because I know that's what he needs. And I know if they're not done, it gives him like anxiety and he gets stressed out. So on this day, the dishes were not done. So he starts doing the dishes and he starts closing down and shutting down and being silent. He stops really looking at me. He stops talking to me. I'm, I'm 10 feet away in the living room. And he starts shutting down. And I start getting anxious. My brain says, warning, warning, warning. Your emotional bond is in danger. I didn't know my brain was doing that in the moment. But I felt anxiety from his shutting down. I felt it all. So then I started getting anxious. So then I turn on YouTube. I put on a song that makes me really happy. And I start dancing to it in front of him. This was my emotional response to feeling anxious because of his shutting down. I put on a song. I started singing because I knew the song would make me happy. and would get rid of the anxiety. But honestly, more so, I was dancing because his lack of attention, him ignoring me, was so dangerous for my body and for my brain and for my anxiety. I was trying to dance for him to look at me and acknowledge me because him shutting me out gave me anxiety. It was the attachment cue. <sighs> so then I open up my computer and I look at all these notes that I made for this podcast episode and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is happening right now. His attachment cue was shutting down, being quiet, not paying attention to me, not looking at me. My brain said, your bond is no longer safe. I got anxiety. Then I started dancing to try and get attention back onto me. It played out perfectly. So then I was able to say, oh my gosh, this dance is happening. This is what's happening right now. And there is actually a really, really good script in the book, Hold Me Tight, which is where I'm getting all this information. There's a script in the book that helps you deal with these emotional situations. The script says, in this incident, the trigger for my raw feeling was blank. The trigger for my raw feeling in that moment was my husband shutting down and being silent and not paying any attention to me. On the surface, I probably showed blank. On the surface, I showed maybe anxiousness, but like a ferociousness for attention. That's what I was displaying. Yeah. And then deep down, I just felt blank. So on the surface, I was showing this need for attention, this dancing, but deep down, I felt anxious and scared. What I longed for was 
blank. In that moment, I longed for attention. I longed for reassurance that he wasn't mad at me, that our bond was still safe, intact. He was just, you know, we were safe. That I needed reassurance we were safe. And then the main message I got about our bond and our love was blank. The main message I got about our bond in that moment was that it was unstable. Just it wasn't it wasn't good, it was unstable and that's scary. <laughs> it was scary. I'm sharing this real world situation for you to show you how easy it happens on a day-to-day basis. How easy our raw spot is rubbed by just a tone our partner says or when our partner becomes a little silent. It creates a huge body response within us and then, and then to pay attention of how we respond. So my homework for you guys is I so want you guys to see what demon dialogue you and your partner do. Do you do find the bad guy? Do you go into these blaming episodes? Which then obviously leaves you both more emotionally disconnected? Or do you do the protest polka? Do you push and prod your partner to get an emotional response? And then the more, and if you don't get a response, do you push and, and poke even more? And then do they shut down even more? And then you're in a standoff? Or are you in the freeze and flee, which is there's not really much emotional connection going on at all. There's complete emotional distance between you guys and not much affection. And then see where your raw spots are. You know, what are the attachment cues from your partner when they say something, when they get a certain look on their face, when they eye roll, when they say a phrase, when how they say things. What are the attachment cues that your partner does that makes you feel not safe anymore and like your bond is in danger? I want to be clear that attachment cues can be positive too. I just talked about negative attachment cues where you feel like your bond is in danger and going to be broken. But there are positive attachment cues, right? You know, when your husband or your partner gets like a little twinkle in their eye and they smile at you or they wink to you across the room, that's a positive attachment cue. And it fills you up. It makes you feel loved. You get a surge of happiness. You get a surge of love, of a good feeling. When a positive attachment cue happens, you know your bond is safe and you are secure. There's a big difference between a positive and a negative because the, bo- the positive reassures you that you have emotional connection and you're safe and the negative one is a huge, huge warning signal of danger, danger, danger. So my homework for you guys is to notice and pay attention what your raw spots are and you find those by witnessing what attachment cues from your partner your body has an emotional response to. The positive is you feel so loved and safe. And then the negative ones, it's a huge warning signal. Your whole brain responds, your stomach drops. It is an entire body physiological response to find your negative raw spots. 